Well, welcome to the Sound Words Podcast, where it's our goal to help Christians love and live out God's Word. I'm Pastor Aaron Nicholson. This is Pastor Jesse Randolph. And today we have a special guest, Johnny Artavanis. Johnny, welcome to the Sound Words Podcast. Hey, thanks so much, Aaron, for having me on the show. Thankful to be here. Johnny, it's great to have you. Great to see you uh, by this means. The last time we saw each other was back in California, so I'm glad we can still connect in this way. I know. I'm thankful for the Zoom life. <laughs> thankful for it. Well, Johnny is uh, the, the Dean of Campus Life at the Master's University. Uh, he is on the leadership team of For the Gospel. He is uh, the, the host of Dial In. It's a podcast with Johnny Ardvanis. And Johnny has some, uh, some big news, uh, a couple of items of big news. Actually, I think it's a few items of big news. One is he's just accepted the call to become the new teaching pastor of Stonebridge Bible Church in Franklin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville. Uh, two is he and his wife, Katie, are, are expecting now a, a second child. Uh, when is the due date? Katie's due the first week of August. So awesome. we're, we're so thankful. Another baby girl. Oh, wonderful. Congrats. So you're going from playing, Thank you. going from man defense to zone defense right away from I one know. to two. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. I'm not quite on my dad's level. He had five girls. So <laughs> five. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting started. There you go. <laughs> and then three is that you recently, Johnny, signed a contract with Zondervan to write a book entitled, and I want to make sure I get this right, um, Consider the Lilies, The Character of God and the Antidote to Anxiety, Fear, and melancholy. So you have quite a bit going on. You're in a season of transition uh, from one coast to the other, essentially. Uh, you're moving into this pastoral ministry role. You're adding another child to your, your quiver, to your family. And you've agreed yeah. to carve out a few minutes for us on the, on the Sound Words podcast. So brother, thank you again for, for joining us. Oh, absolutely. Thankful to be talking with you guys. I'm thankful for what you do. Awesome. Well, question number one, we just want to get right into the, the heart of the, the yeah. content of the book. What was the thought process behind this idea of the book? You know, I've been burdened to write on the topic of anxiety for a, a number of years now. Uh, it started when I was running a camp called Hume Lake in Central California. And a number of the students and the young people that came up to that camp had been struggling with anxiety. And I was just burdened to provide a resource that would uh, help them understand what the Bible teaches about it. You know, even just in our country in general, we have 311 million people in America. And in 2010, 253 million prescriptions were filled for anxiety. It's just, if you had to think about it, I mean, we just live in an anxious world. And I was watching young teenagers, uh, pastors, counselors, kind of very much affected by anxiety or fear or despair. And there was kind of two methods of thought in regards to the response to their anxiety uh, at the time, and I would say that's just still popular today, and it would either be like, hey, you need to really consider your inner child, what happened to you back in the day that's prompting uh, this anxiety, or it would be this staunch uh, snap out of it, grow up, life is hard, on the other hand. And the more I studied the scripture and the more I began to teach on it, the more I began to realize that Jesus doesn't enable us in our anxiety. Um, he does know our frame. He's mindful that we're dust. And he also tells us not to be anxious, but he provides for us in his word all the reasons for why we should trust him, because the opposite of anxiety is not just to not be anxious. The opposite of anxiety is living a life of trust in our Heavenly Father. So I just became more and more burdened to address the subject, and really the book is a book on the character of God as the antidote to our anxiety, as you mentioned, Jesse. That's wonderful. And could you help us um, define anxiety? 
and what are its causes? What are its roots? Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, I think as far as biblically, um, anxiety comes from a compound Greek word, merimnao, comes from two words, merizo, which means to divide or tear, and nuos, which means the mind. So it comes from the idea of a divided mind. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious for anything. But the same word for merimnao can also be used two chapters earlier when Paul tells uh, the Philippian church that Timothy has a godly concern for their welfare. And so it's often used for both the sinful anxiety at times and a godly concern. So how do we really define it in regards to the conversation we're talking about? I I think anxiety is, uh, we often kind of pair with worry. It's when we dwell on maybe what is causing us to be fearful, um, when we're not taking what would concern us and bring that to God. Uh, Corey Tim Boom used to kind of define the distinction between this concern and anxiety by we are concerned, but we, we kind of just, we never let in the clutch. We just burn energy and go nowhere. He used to talk about how godly concern drives us to take action and it drives us to God. But anxiety, we just kind of worry and we meditate on our problem instead of meditating on the goodness and sovereign power of God. So that would be maybe a helpful distinction in regards to defining anxiety. That is helpful. Hmm. How you sort of alluded to this already, but how do people typically in our day try to alleviate their feelings of anxiety, whether they're Christians or, or non-Christians? And, and what do you find are those means that are effective or ineffective as a means to address this, this issue with anxiety? Yeah, as far as how do they alleviate their anxiety? I mean, culturally, there's so many different coping mechanisms that people employ to try to alleviate their anxiety. In a secular sense, this would be you know, alcohol or vaping now or whatever it might be because those are downers. So chemically, they're releasing chemicals in our brain that cause us to relax because people are high strung. I mean, that was one of the remarkable things about even what prompted me to write the book is so many of these teenage students in high school now, I mean, a significant percentage of them carry vapes around with them all day. And if you ask them, why do you vape? It would be because it helps me with my anxiety. In a Christian sense, I mean, a lot of times we try to slap on some anecdotal Bible memory verses, you know, so you'll see a post, and these aren't bad posts at all. I mean, I would do something similar, but 10 verses about anxiety. But the scripture's response to anxiety isn't just some memory verse that you slap onto your fear. It's a renewed mind and a renewed perspective on the character of God, which is much more than just remembering the command, okay, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, you know? So I think sometimes in a Christian sense, we like these like simple meditations that will help calm our spirit and make the day okay. And okay. But I think even that's a shallow approach when life is difficult. I remember reading the book, Knowing God by J.A. Packer. And honestly, I feel like for the most part, when people used to ask me about what book would you recommend to people that are anxious, they used to just say, Knowing God. Because J.F. Packer starts up the book by kind of talking about, hey, the world is a strange, mad, and confusing place when you don't know the God who made it and whose sovereign control is under under his authority. And so the more you know this God, the more you're going to be free from all fears. But the less you know this God and the less you're meditating upon his power and goodness and sovereign care, then of course you're going to be anxious. So I think even in regards to anxiety, anxiety is our natural human disposition because of sin. Meaning immediately when Adam and Eve sin, they are anxious and they run for their lives. They hide and they cover themselves with fig leaves. So 
Anxiety is only natural in a world that's abounding with sin, where we're unsure of the future. And, and I think because of that, we have to find deep-rooted uh, cables and anchors in the truth of God's Word, but get to know Him as our Heavenly Father personally, not just anecdotally. Yeah, that's really powerful, man. Yeah, more than just slapping on a memory verse, but knowing the character, the goodness, the sovereignty of God, I think that's very helpful. Suppose a a, a professing Christian is listening to this episode and they struggle with anxiety on a daily basis. Um, Just what would you say to them? You know, I think it would depend on the situation and maybe what they're anxious about. I, I always start off, and this is the way I start off in the book, I think the scripture is really clear in regards to anxiety. Uh, and I'm so thankful that the Bible includes the lapses in faith from even some of the heroes of the faith. Hmm. So I, you know, consider Job in the beginning of Job, it says that Job was the most blameless man on earth. He has everything taken away from him. And then a matter of the first chapter, he concludes as he, his family's dead, his livestock's dead, his servants are dead, and he's sitting there in a pile of dirt with a shard of pottery scraping off his boils with a wife that tells him to curse God and die. He initially says, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away. But 30 chapters later, he's asking for God to take his life. You know, so he's, there's a level of fear and anxiety. And if you look at uh, Elijah, Elijah will stand shoulder to shoulder with Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. In 1 Kings 18, he takes on 850 prophets of Baal and the Asherah. And he says, only Yahweh is the one true God. He slays them all, calls down fire from heaven. And then in the following chapter, he's running for his life from a single woman. And then he hides under a tree and says, God, this is too much for me. In fear and anxiety and despair, he says, God, kill me. Take my life. Uh, David is a man after God's own heart. Um, Every other king will be compared to David. Uh, He's a godly man, the penner of Psalms. And yet, In the Psalms, he'll say, every night I make my own bed swim with my tears. And he says, God, would you take my life? And so what's interesting is that you have three of the the godliest men in the Old Testament. Their lives are chronicled at some point with a level of anxiety, fear, and despair. I mean, the Psalms are going to ask the question, why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? What's interesting to me is that I had heard other people say, hey, there are anxious people in the Bible. It's okay. But for me, the subject of even looking at those characters is fascinating, not just because it develops a level of commonality of the struggle, but the way God responds to each and every one of those characters is the same. When you say, how would you respond to someone who's anxious? You're almost looking for a unique response to a unique situation. And obviously, amongst those characters, there's a unique you know, situation. David's not running from Jezebel. Elijah is. David didn't lose all of his servants and family. Job did. But in all of those situations, God's re- God responds the same way. To David, he reminds David of his character. To Elijah, he, he first of all, he puts him to sleep, gives him a snack, and then he reminds him of his character. With Job, God comes out of the whirlwind and he doesn't say, hey, Job, you're right. You got dealt a bad hand. He says, gird your loins, Job. I'm going to tell you who I am. And so what's fascinating to me is that that's the way God responds each and every time is through a gentle yet stern reminder of his profound character. And what's interesting, even as you reflect on Job, in the book of James, it says that James, or that it says that Job was reminded of God's mercy. 
because if you think about Job chapter 38 to 42, you would think about it and you would just consider God's power. He says, where were you when I created the heavens? Do you bind the chains of the stars? Do you tell the ways thus far you shall come and no further? No, that's me. But James says that was the reminder of God's mercy. So in regards to how I would respond to someone, and I know that's a lot, I just always want to look at the scripture with them first and foremost and say, first of all, the godliest men and women on earth have been afflicted by the same um, thing of anxiety. It's, it, it affects all of us. Yet God is so kind to respond to us and what he does to help us in our anxiety and fear and despair is to remind us of his profound character. And the more we understand his character, the more peace we can have, even when life around us is turbulent. And it doesn't take away from the difficulty of life, but this is why Isaiah 26 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. You know, Elijah's name means God is my strength. But we see that Elijah begins to crumble the moment where his mind is not stayed on God and instead is looking at the circumstances around him. So I think I would just look at the scripture and then I would begin to break down, as I'll do in the book, some of the attributes of God that compel us to trust him. That being his sovereignty, but God's sovereignty is never divorced from his wisdom. And God's sovereignty, meaning he's uh, over all things, is never divorced from his profound love and care. And, you know, there's so many different factors, but Aaron, that's kind of how I begin to break it down. Well, thank you so much, Johnny. It's very insightful, very helpful, very encouraging. Um, so praise God. And we look forward to to your book as it comes out. Absolutely. So, Johnny, for our, our listeners and those viewing, can you give us some information on where people can find information about you, your ministry, whether it be through Dial In for the Gospel? How, how can they find you? Yeah, well, thank you, guys. Um, you can find out uh, about our ministry just on any of the streaming platforms called Dial In on podcasts with, with Johnny Artavana. So that's on all streaming platforms. And then the YouTube channel is dial in as well, or you can just type in my name, Johnny Artavanis. And then also just with for the gospel, you can find for the gospel and dial in on all social channels. So Instagram, you can give us a follow and Instagram is probably the best format for even news in regards to the book coming out. I'm in the process of writing it right now, so it won't come out for another year, but uh, you can find that or on the for the gospel.org website. Great. Awesome. Well, there you have it, listeners. Follow Johnny Artavanis on those channels he mentioned, and you can also follow us on Sound Words. Um, you can look us up on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you, you can subscribe to our channel to find more biblical content in the future. Um, thanks for listening. Jesse, before we close, any final words? The final word always, as always, goes to God and His words. Second Timothy 1.13, retain the standard of sound words, which you've heard from me, in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.